0: ProfsCast with Professor Fensterle and guests. Yeah, welcome to the ProfsCast. My name is Joe Fensterle. I'm Professor of Biotechnology, Bioengineering at the rhein University in Kleve. And my guest today is Carsten Fischer. Carsten, a warm welcome to the ProfsCast.
1: Thank you very much, Joe.
0: Yeah, nice to have you here. And uh, sorry for last time we already tried it once, and I completely failed. I messed up the sound. Now things hopefully go better. Karsten, to describe you shortly, I would say uh, the scientist who was lost to business. Do you agree? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so you're still a scientist, or are you now completely in business, or what? How would you describe yourself?
1: Hmm. Uh, I would say I'm a rather now um, a focused scientist, so to say, since ultimately we earn on uh, scientific knowledge and try to, to build products. And products just uh, become better if also the science behind it is uh, valid. So, um, yeah, I get uh, more scientific each day. And, uh, for example, even this morning uh, we had a very um, interesting discussion with our scientists and I said, well... Here is a negative control missing, so um, <laughs> so still the science part is uh, highly relevant. However, you need to somehow focus scientists. They want to do this and that and this and that, and then you can say, no, we need to focus here because this is going to earn us money. This is nice to know. So, so it's both. Yeah, you always have to have both um, to make a make a solid decision.
0: So it's bad for the for the employees is if the CEO is also a scientist because he can ask for negative controls. Sometimes I think they're a bit annoyed of my stupid <laughs> ideas, and
1: uh, that I try to
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay. um could you briefly describe what you actually do at this moment or what 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 uh, the job is your company?
1: Um what I'm actually doing is um well, obviously, as a CEO, you are in a biotech company mostly responsible for Getting funding, so I'm just running after the money. I mean, that's obviously the business part. Uh, Secondly, I'm running after collaborations. That's the business development part. But again, of course, uh, as said, uh, the uh, the fundament is uh, derived by scientific advancements. And so, with regard to strategy and operations, I still have to know what uh, the company does. I mean, we're a small company. We are now. Eleven FTEs in total, and that means myself and ten scientists. So I have a hard standing as well. <laughs> right? You can you can imagine, but um, so I need to to somehow um, funnel and concentrate these efforts um, into into the right direction and. This right direction obviously hope gives us some, um, yeah, interesting results with regard to the products we are developing, and these are these results are then taken to make some marketing towards uh, investors as well as pharma companies. Uh,
0: before we forget it, so what is your company actually?
1: Um, <laughs> my company, that's Memo Therapeutics, um, we have a very nice um, antibody discovery engine. Um, and I mean, everybody knows antibodies, um, but the thing is to produce antibodies is not as trivial as we thought. There are huge difference, differences in quality. And if you use hybridoma technology, you see 0.1% of the repertoire that a patient can generate against a pathogen. Or an epitope or whatever um, and using our technology we can see at roughly 80 percent um, of the repertoire and this is as you can see roughly 100 times more than normal technologies and therefore we find better antibodies we find very rare antibodies and uh, these show a much better capabilities in terms of uh, yeah, potential therapeutic effect but why should you look for antibodies hmm, why should <laughs> i look for antibodies um There are proven uh, therapeutic modality, A, and B, um, I think the cost-benefit ratio is quite attractive. So, um, if you look at these modern therapeutic concepts where you have cellular therapies and you need 500K per patient uh, to treat him, hmm, um, that's quite a lot. I think these are all valid approaches. However, they are very cost-intensive. And given that A, the developing countries would like to have therapeutic options, and B, we face a significant uh, financial problem caused by the COVID-19 crisis, I think um, cost-benefit ratios will be quite important in the future. And then antibody uh, therapies are a good way to go forward tackling that challenge.
0: Okay, maybe we go back a bit and uh, talk about your scientific career first.
1: So what, what was your scientific career? Basically, my scientific career, I mean, um, I've done a PhD in infectious biology at the same lab where you have been with Professor Stefan Kaufmann. Uh, I also was... Uh, so at the Max Planck Institute for Infection for Biology infection in Berlin? Infection Biology, <laughs> correct. Um, and also at the Colorado State University to do some lipid chemistry here. But I then obviously left science. Yeah, yeah, it's a sad thing. But ultimately, (laughs) the funny thing is, um, and that's uh, really (laughs) intriguing, is that I'm now, so to say, back in exactly where I did my PhD, because we are currently developing Antibodies, that is what I said, but we are developing these antibodies against pathogens. Haha. Ha. So, <laughs> back in the home turf, and actually, um, I've been talking to Stefan a couple of weeks ago already, and I have started to re interact with him. And uh, yeah, so that's funny, as well as with Leander, by the way.
0: Okay. So Leander is uh, another PhD student. Where he worked together with us, a former PhD student. Of course, it's quite a while. But he's doing vaccines. Now he's also going in antibodies, so so to
1: say, if he talks to you. If he talks to me, <laughs> yes, exactly. Indeed, I mean, he's obviously working, or he is the CEO of a, so to say, um, regulatory consultancy. And they are mainly focused on vaccines. But, I mean, obviously, vaccines are against pathogens, so they do a lot of regulatory consulting in the infectious disease area. And obviously, as said, we develop antibodies against uh, virus threats. And so we got into contact and um, we are yet now on a regular contact, so to say now. <laughs>
0: okay. Now, did you always want to become a CEO? So what, what do you dreamt when you started your career? So in school, did you think of becoming a scientist?
1: Um, Actually, I already after my diploma, I thought, hmm, pure science, hmm. And then I was sitting in Marienfelde, which was a PSL3 lab, with my PhD supervisor. He was, I think, 40-something at that point in time. And we were basically starting at 8 in the morning until 8 in the evening and just killing mice all day. And I think, Joe, you know what I'm talking about. And I thought, hmm. And he was like 12 years older than myself and said, this is maybe not a career I'm trying to proceed. So uh, at that point in time, it was clear that I'd do something different um, rather than uh, following uh, just a pure scientific career path. And uh, that's also why I did some economic studies while my PhD. So I always was, or I prepared myself for leaving that sector, so to say.
0: Okay, maybe to hinder that all of my students now uh, run out of science, you can also do it differently because I was together with Leander always in this Marienfelde, often together with him. And after also 10 hours of BSL-3 experiments in the animal facility, we went to a bar in Marienfelde having one beer. And this then made us friends again with science. I think this is the important thing that should, you should have tried that. <laughs>
1: it didn't work. I okay, it wasn't one beer, it was rather 10 beers because the day was so horrible. But hey, wow, that's just a point okay. of the beer. Okay.
0: But you you always thought something biology, biochemistry, or even at school already. So this was already your, the field you were interested in and worth it. Sure. Of. Okay, that's, that's, that's cool. Now, how did you then go into Business administration, so uh, or in in this direction, so in in the study courses and so on. Especially as a university, you will hardly hear anything about business administration. So how do you get
1: there? That's a good question. Um, obviously, that was rather intrinsically, I guess. Uh-huh. and maybe yeah, yeah, or too much focused on financial parameters, maybe. I don't know. Okay. Good question. I and, and <laughs> never thought about it, but actually I was already, uh, when I was doing my di- diploma, I was already uh, convinced that I sooner or later will go into business. But where does that come from? That's rather hmm, a non-scientific question, I would say. Yeah. <laughs> and and how do you
0: get then the training for the things you need in business administration? Uh, so what did you do to go later on in business administration or in this uh, business
1: uh, direction. Um, for example, I have finished my diploma, and then I went into the life science team of Ernst Young for three months um, in between diploma and PhD. Mm-hmm. So then I got already in contact uh, with venture capital, the concept, and with biotech area. And then um, I started doing a bachelor in economics at the Fern University in Hagen. And obviously, then I had, so to say, uh, two parts. And then I um, have been looking on to different opportunities after my PhD. And obviously, I had the chance to stay in science, but I was also talking to pharma companies where there were classical, let's say, pharma jobs after the PhD. But I also went to some venture capitalists and including Deutsche Venture Capital, affiliate of Deutsche Bank, um, who were looking for an analyst at that time. And then I applied there and um, got the got the job, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm that was decisive for the for the next moves okay
0: an analyst what 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 is an analyst doing
1: actually that was quite an interesting time because as an analyst you have so to say i, I would say now looking after a decade of uh, yeah working together with venture capitalists being a venture capitalist is really An interesting job since um, you are the one getting all the business plans uh, and you have to somehow sort them and rate them whether they are um, eligible or not. And I think there you get in contact with a lot of concepts on the one hand and um, on the other hand. You also have to learn a lot about patents, about business plans, about your know, business concepts, about development um, and all things that you haven't heard before when you have been uh, happily studying biochemistry, chemistry or biology.
0: And, and you see the, the the complete picture. So you see a lot of different business plans from different companies or, that's or correct. ideas. Yep. So that's exactly. that's quite cool. Did you stay then at Deutsche Bank or what, was your,
1: what were your next steps? Actually, um, the thing is, um, (laughs) uh, the managing director of that venture capital fund, obviously, we had a partner at Deutsche Bank and they somehow um, got in trouble. That's why Deutsche Bank didn't like venture capital any longer. And that's why I soon realized that uh, this fund is not going to survive. And then I started to reach out and uh, see what could be my next career steps and at that point in time that was quite interesting because i that was really a lame time i've been applying to pharma companies really and i think i have had a quite good cv so it uh, wasn't the cv i would say and the pharma companies were really reluctant to hire someone so i got just offers from all the consultancy companies uh, Boston wasn't consulting mckinsey and so and so i went to mckinsey then ultimately
0: yeah. So, so you became a Mackie for how many years? You stayed
1: there. Oh, one and a half years. I mean, um, that was that was enough. I had to. I have to admit, <laughs> <laughs> because that's really a tough time. I knew that before, and so um, I, I was there. I learned a lot. I learned a lot about myself. But uh, it was clear for me from the beginning that hmm, that is pr- probably not a sector where I would like to stay in. Okay. Because it's really really tough to be there.
0: And then directly CEO
1: or other things in oh, between? Oh, no, no, no. no. <laughs> hey, that would be boring. <laughs> 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 Actually, yeah. I mean, um, after that time, yeah, it's always a question of opportunities but i've been doing a lot of um, sales and marketing programs with pharma companies during my tenure at mckinsey and that's why i directly applied again to back to berlin uh, to sanofi where i was then responsible for sales force and marketing excellence so that was uh, basically uh, just what i learned at mckinsey i saw that uh, job offer at sanofi and thought "Mm, let's go back to berlin and That job offer fits quite well to my experience here. And uh, that's why I then went to Sanofi, where I was responsible for Salesforce and marketing excellence. That was, again, a huge change because McKinsey is really, um, let's say, goal-oriented, really energetic, um, really success-oriented. Sanofi was a bit of a different story, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay.
0: (laughs) But then finally you ended up being your own CEO.
1: No, 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 no. no. <laughs> still not. You, you need to learn a lot before you then <laughs> can fulfill that position, or you need to be lucky, whatever. <laughs> no, then I went to because that was mainly project management, and yeah, you've seen it, and you have to cope with all that, uh, Salesforce guys, and that is, yeah, you need to see that, but that's, yeah. A bit boring I have to admit um, so I went back to into the more finance driven industry I, um, I went to West LB which was at that time very yeah active uh, bank in the life science sector especially in the biotech area and uh, so I was first responsible for the strategic analysis there I mean a bank has products these products are capital markets so at the stock exchange there are other biotech companies and they buy products then you have MA. so People ask you ah I would like to buy a company active in ABC or a company asks you I would like to sell the company so and third obviously credit and um, given that the VestaB was very active in the life science sector they had strategic uh, the, the strategic analysis to deliver um, sector know-how into that these products. And that's what I was doing, and especially uh, successful in the equity capital market area, where we, we've done a lot of uh, capital transactions with uh, biotech companies that are not existent any longer in Germany. <laughs> so like Wilex, like Agenix. Um, we did uh, the best we could, and that was quite successful. However, um, we're still, we still did one strategic uh, mistake. Um, it started a fight with the European Union, And that was obviously not a good idea. So, and as most of you might know or heard, West LB has lost that fight. And um, it was, I think, the only bank that really was winded down completely, entirely. There's nothing left um, during the last financial crisis. (laughs) Yeah. And so that left me in a deep pit because, um, I mean, first the product, so capital markets, nobody was interested in capital markets uh, any longer at that point in time. Second, nobody was interested in biotech at that time in Germany. And third, I was working at a bank that was winded down. So that was also not a good start. However, I then went back into uh, venture capital. And I was with uh, Biomed Partners, a Swiss fund managing 350 million roughly. And I was there uh, then as an uh, investment manager and partner uh, where I was, I think, five or six years, something like that. And during that time, I learned I was having a coffee with one of the uh, board members of Memo Therapeutics. And I said, oh, well, I mean, venture capital is investing all the time is one thing, but being really in a driver's seat would be also something I would be interested. And he said, oh, well, we are looking for a CEO. And then I became CEO of Memo Therapeutics. So it was it took a while.
0: Uh, I I think it's it's good to tell these ups and downs because today, of course, everybody thinks, well, biotech is up because we have now a biotech company having developed the Corona vaccine. a couple of years ago, the situation, especially in Germany, looked really different in this case. That yeah. is correct, um, yes. Yeah. Now, therapeutics. So you already mentioned these antibodies. So our, the students are becoming scientists. So could you in more detail maybe elaborate on the, on the technology behind? What makes your technology so special? What is the special thing about this technology in this case?
1: It is on the one hand rather simple. So you have a patient who has had some kind of disease, he has gotten influenza, for example, or any other disease that you can take. And this patient obviously generates antibodies against, let's say, influenza, for example. Then you can take the blood of that patient. And obviously, the B cells producing that antibody are in the blood of that patient. And what people then do is take the B cells and stimulate the B cells, hybridize them and do whatever processes they are um, after. Thing is, these B-cells are very susceptible. So the typical fate of a B-cell outside of the human body is to die. And that leads to typically more than 99% of your B-cells dying. And um, our scientific founder, Christoph Esslinger, has had that problem when he was developing an antibody against Alzheimer's. He's seen a lot of B-cells being specific for beta amyloid, but he was only able to retrieve one single clone. And that was aducanumab. And aducanumab is now in phase three with Biogen IDEC. So, but it was just, he was just able to retrieve one single clone with a antibody specific for beta amyloid. And then he developed a technology. And what, he, or, and what we are now doing differently is that the first, very first step, we take the B cells and kill them. But on a single cell level in the presence of little beads that extract the information um, for the B cell receptor, so the antibody. So, yeah, I could show you a video, which would be quite nice, then you would understand, but let's <laughs> go that route now. It's very simple. So, it, we have a device um, where we have uh, water in oil emulsion, and there we have little droplets. So, what we do is the live B-cell is combined with these RNA-capturing beads together in a little droplet. Mm-hmm. And then the B-cell is lysed, and directly the information for the B-cell receptor is on, that, is in, on the bead. Then we do amplify the information and then we do a transfection onto immortal hex cells. And then we have the entire repertoire in these immortal hex cells. So basically, what we do as a first step, we make a copy of each B cell. Uh-huh irrespective of the function or irrespective of anything. The first thing is we just take the entire book and make a copy of the entire book. And then we look for the information that we would like to have out of the book. Everybody else takes the book and is looking, oh, where's the information that I'm looking for? And while they are looking for it, the book burns down. We just make a copy first and then look for the information.
0: Okay, so this is kind of a digital droplet PCR where you start at, at the first steps where you start with the complete p B- cell inside instead of the just the DNA. In other words, it's not
1: a, it's yeah. not digital. No, um, it has nothing droplet,
0: to do with ne- the digital droplet PCR. You also use this uh, these uh, single droplets in. Uh, uh, in, yes. in a suspension, and you have then one piece of DNA in each, and you do the dilution. Del- but it's DNA, and it's not, of course, a B cell in your case.
1: No, it's a no, complete no. B cell. Yeah. So this is no, no, it, no, no. We okay. put basically the information for the cognate receptor onto yeah. these uh, onto the beads, and then we actually have don't have to do the uh, the amplification in yeah. droplets. We yeah. do that in a, just an Eppendorf tube. But at sometimes we do a litigation then again in droplets with a single bead in the droplet, and then oh uh, yeah, well it's. <laughs> okay. Did explain what we do. We do a one-to-one <laughs> copy of each B cell in a hex cell, yeah. but uh, the actual process is, uh, I think, ten or twelve steps. Um, so it's a bit more cumbersome, and that yeah, that's clear. also uh, <laughs> that gives us also a uh, so to say some trade secrets because it's not really easy to copy that process, and that's why everybody else has just below. So our closest competitor is Giga again with three percent repertoire coverage, and as I said, we have eighty percent. So.
0: Okay, so this means as you omit this uh, cloning step and uh, you clone the DB cells and the fusion step that you have access to more, as you said, 80% instead of
1: Losing most of them
0: and just have a couple of them.
1: Okay. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And then you might think, well, is that really relevant? And uh, we've now shown it twice. We have shown it against the BK virus. That is important in kidney transplantation. And there we have an antibody that is a 100 times better than uh, an antibody that has generated use at Novartis. And they have used VIR technology. And VIR is uh, using technology from Humaps because they have... Bought Humaps, and Humaps um, has been founded by Antonio Lanzavecchia. You might know
0: that. Ah, now. okay, yeah. <laughs> I so almost we are... started a PhD thesis with him, but then I went to Stefan Kaufmann.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> okay. See, um, so we are a hundred times better than um, than that, and uh, I think that's quite a good proof of proof for the technology. And we for example, has a market cap of four billion. So we have a technology that is better than. What we are capable of doing, and it, it basically we have been beating VIR already twice. So that's, I think, quite solid to say that our technology is better than what the technology that We uses.
0: So, Carsten, of course, as soon as we stop here, I will go to my bank account, look how much I have, and invest in stock options of Immunotherapeutics. I think that's that's uh, that's that's clear. But usually, you also have to put such a little disclaimer before that. Okay.
1: <laughs> no, we are a private company. We are quite.
0: If I remember correctly, at at your time in Berlin, you worked with
1: CD1 um, oh,
0: yes. around correct. CD1. Do you remember that? Was uh, what's what's the cool thing about CD1? What is uh, what is this about? It
1: was CD1D, and that was only expressed in in mice. And CD1 um, is one of the few molecules that fulfills the same function like an MHC, but MHC obviously presents peptides, whereas uh, the CD1 family presents lipids and i think i've seen now a company that uses uh, alpha galactosylceramide that was one of the ma- major ligands that cd1 had it was obviously synthetic or present in the sponge but not in the pathogen so nobody knew why cd1 has been presenting that molecule but that worked quite well and uh, had a dramatic yeah effect on the on the uh, uh, on the immune system and i think that is now used for Treating whatever I don't know. So, also from that, uh, some biotech companies emerged. So, whenever you do your research, you uh, if you if you think hard, you will find something that you can start a start a project, make a company, and. Um, Maybe, maybe get rich, maybe.
0: Maybe. <laughs> but do we, um, now, now, what could one could argue, well, I don't want to get rich. Uh, I want to bring this technology to all the people. I don't want to patent. I don't want to go into a company. Is that a good idea if you have an invention in biotechnology or, let's say, medical biotechnology not to patent and say, I do the development just…
1: Well, I mean, ultimately, if you find something that is of value to humankind, um, you will somehow be uh, financed by someone. Um, and whether you patent it or not, uh, that depends on the, the the person that finances you. If you go to NGOs or billion and Melinda Gates Foundation and so on and so forth, you might find funding for projects that are so lively going into developed countries. Um, and then you might not be... But even then, you might need to have some patents around it. So I think without any patent protection, I think it's hard to get sufficient funding.
0: Uh, yeah, this is also what, what I see. Do you think that uh, it's realistic to have a complete clinical development out completely outside of companies? Are there examples for that?
1: I think there are some. the thing is what you have to do then is you have to go a completely different route and you've tried to get some non dilutive funding, but then you have to comply to e u regulations you have to comply to the specific needs of these funds, and then to push the project forward in a in a in a in a constructive manner gets harder compared to when you have just venture capital yeah. Because I mean, if you have venture capital, they want to see results and they want to see a product that ha- that has an impact. If you have the uh, so let's say alternative funding, then you need to cope with regulations, with uh, applications, with strict reporting systems. For example, in the EU, um, then it gets tougher tougher to, to have a to have a success uh, successful product in the, in the market, being it for developing countries or for, for already developed countries.
0: Mm, okay. Now, if you look at the at the field of bio, biology, what in your opinion now is the let's say the the cutting edge thing
1: in the field of biology? The cutting edge thing in the field of biology. <laughs> well, <laughs> thing is, what you realize, what you realize once you grow uh, along the value chain, so to say, is that so most probably can. Answer that question is much more qualified than I can do, because, for example, as uh, we've doing, uh, we've done our PhD tetramers were in everybody's uh, mouth, yeah, but tetramers haven't made it still to towards a therapeutic agent, yeah. So I think that would be a clearly logical next step, but still there are no so uh, what what is discussed in scientific labs needs at 10 uh, at least 10 times to be discussed in the biotech area and then another 10 time uh, 10 years to be discussed in pharma companies so basically the healthcare or the the, the pharma biotech uh, ecosystem is extremely slow (laughs) okay (laughs) yeah so i think you are much much more in 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 really cutting-edge technology at this point in time compared to what we are doing here
0: but i I would say um, at least we have seen now one example of an excessively fast development the corona vaccine which was i think unthinkable a year
1: ago that you have a development this fast would you agree Absolutely, absolutely. We ourselves—I haven't mentioned it—have um, an antibody against the coronavirus, uh-huh. <laughs> and um, we've been discussing with regulatory authorities. And what has been not possible in the past is now feasible. So, for example, typically in, a, in the antibody space, it takes you yeah close to one and a half year, oh, one and a half years to produce an antibody. In Corona times, um, we have now established a process that only takes six months. So if you would have come with that process to the regulatory authorities like the Paul Ehrlich Institute, part of the EMA, they would say, no, that's too risky. But in Corona, they said, no, this is a a pandemic situation. Um, Yes, we also take that risk as 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 regulators. And I think the same has been happening with the vaccine. And I think, um, yeah, that's that's really really an achievement here
0: so do you go for this antibody actually so this antibody i assume blocks the the, the entry of uh the virus into the cell or what is the
1: exactly yeah. um it utilizes the virus and i think we have one of the best if not the best antibody on this planet so not so <laughs> bad <laughs> we are on par with the cocktail of regeneron so quite mm-hmm. good they're not as fast as regeneron um, i mean you know small company. So takes a bit longer but however we plan to inject the first patient i don't know the first healthy volunteers in uh, april this year okay yeah still okay still yeah. and i think um, we've been already also talking to EMA uh, as well as Swissmedic, and if we show phase two data we might already be on the market this year yeah <laughs> <And> this, <laughs> this is i so. mean if I have been investing in companies uh, yeah, for years and years. And if a biotech company would have come to me and said, well, I will be on the market in two years, I would just um, decline and say, well, you are living in your dreams. But these days you can yeah, obviously with a product in the Corona space, get to market a lot faster compared to to other indications.
0: I have to say, in this times, if I see that, I always tell my students to calculate the value of a project and so on for uh, in in the pharma business, you need to calculate the net present value, but uh, because the time is so important and it takes so long, but if it's one year, I think you can even then also go with this traditional return of investment stuff and so on the time is no issue <laughs> okay, cousin, would you again go in this
1: direction if you could choose again? and i mean you've been hinting uh, during our conversation quite quite a couple of times uh, and then you were have been becoming ceo and said no it still took maybe the next time when we would try to become a ceo a bit earlier Yeah, but I think that's a personal question because I think I, I do like to be quite independent and I do like to make my own decisions and go into the direction I think is relevant. Because if you are, for example, working in larger organizations, you are so restricted with regard to what you can do and what you can decide. And secondly, you realize that it's most of the times the higher you get in a hierarchy, uh, the lesser important really the value of what you're doing is. Um, but the more important it is how um, clever and politically you act and how kind of you position yourself is becoming more and more important compared to what you actually do. And I think personally, I try to to have an impact and I try to to, to develop my projects yeah efficiently towards a Hopefully, a uh, success. I tend not to spend too much of my resources into political games. And that's why I think being your own boss, as you termed it, um, is quite quite rewarding, I think. So, so I should maybe have spared out maybe Sanofi, for example. <laughs> so, but, <laughs> so, but, but uh, if I
0: understood correctly, the same way, the same direction. So still medical research, but become a CEO faster. Yeah, that's, that's, but, the, uh, yeah. that's, uh, <laughs> that's the end. Okay, Karsten, everything on my list we have, we have discussed. It was a real pleasure to talk to you and um, I think uh, now for the students especially, they also see how a scientific career can turn into business and that it's not evil to turn into business and what, what is it like to be in business and what you actually have to do there in the biotech field.
1: But on the other hand, that's still the scientific advancement is the key driver of the value of what I've been here representing. Yeah,
0: Yeah. this is, uh, thank you very much. So we shouldn't forget you are a scientist, what we have already said at the beginning. You're the one who can also say negative controls. And if it just would come from a business school um real innovations no, no. exactly
1: <laughs> and secondly i mean you have to understand the innovation because if you don't understand it what you have to do is always in front of investors you have to really convince them and you can only be convincing if you really understand what you're doing and that you can full-heartedly say we are the best <laughs> okay you can it
0: okay. i'm quite i'm quite sure that you can do yeah, that yeah. okay yeah, Kastner, i would say thanks a lot nice to uh had you here Thank you. And now also to the listeners. Thank you very much for the listeners. As always, the full version of this podcast is on Spotify and the other uh, streaming platform. And on YouTube, there is a shortened version, of course, with pictures. So thanks to all of you and looking forward to seeing you again next time.